the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. Love Never Fails. Inviting you to join in the fight for love. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love, set the captives captives free. Each week, this program sheds light on the needs of vulnerable people in our community who are impacted by human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and abuse, and celebrates the work of those who are meeting them right where they are and expressing to them that they are precious, valued, and loved. Our goal is to see this radio audience move to compassion demonstrated in acts of service, generosity, and gifts of time. Give up a chance. Give up your heart. Love never fails. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today with a very special guest, a leader in the city of San Francisco. We have with us Majid Crawford. He is the executive director of the, of the uh, uh, new Community Leadership Foundation. He is also a steering committee for San Francisco's Black-led organization. And he is really otherwise known as SF Black. And he is really just doing some amazing things in the community Uh, helping to raise awareness about issues like human trafficking, which are disproportionately impacting Black people throughout the United States. Welcome to the show, Majid. It's it's really a pleasure to be here. It's it's an honor to be here. Yeah. So, you know, I am so excited about you being here because you have been such a champion of raising awareness about human trafficking. And, um, you know, I love as I'm looking at your bio here, you know, you are your mission at um, NCLF, New Community Leadership Foundation, is to civically engage black and other disenfranchised communities through programs that promote cultural uplift, historical preservation, economic development, personal growth, artistic empowerment. And there you are providing these opportunities for organizations like uh, love never fails to shed light um, in a variety of ways on this issue of human trafficking and other issues which actually serve as precursors and or root causes like poverty, uh, you know, like a lack of childcare, like a lack of, 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 of activities in community, just basic things, right, that we need in community to avoid human trafficking. And so wanted to just, you know, kind of ask you, tell us more. I mean, I see here you've, you've been part of the Fillmore Merchants and Neighborhood Collaborative, which is a monthly gathering of 600 residents. You, you've been involved again with SF Block. You've, you've been involved with, um, uh, with a variety of efforts there in San Francisco, um, you know, around urban planning. 
um, specifically for the San Francisco State University. So you've just been, you've had your hands in all these different pots, all for the betterment of underserved, under-resourced community members, in particular, Black members of San Francisco. Where did this all start? Why are you passionate about this? And uh, yeah, fill us in. Uh, so I guess I would say um, it all started, I was born and raised in Fillmore, and you know, growing up, you know, there's a there's a lot of housing projects. There's a lot of there was a lot of crime. But the, the essence of the Fillmore was just this love and this sense of community. But there was so much disparity. And I've always heard about how um, the Fillmore was once a, a historic neighborhood. And I wanted to, and I wanted to understand, well, how did it get from this to that? And And then when I studied urban renewal, and heard about how 40 square blocks of the film was bulldozed and uh, thousands of black businesses displaced literally overnight. Um, that's, that's, that's what, that's what got me. Um, it, mm. it, it touched me. It was a huge injustice and that's kind of sparked my passion for this kind of urban development. But the thing that really hit really hard and, you know, it's definitely emotional for me is that um, my dad passed away when I was nine years old from a drug overdose. Oh. And he uh, joined the military. Uh, he also was a, 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 he played the horn. And so when he came back from the military, my great uncle played on Fillmore Street. And when he came back from the military, he wanted to play on Fillmore Street as well. But the neighborhood was bulldozed by then. And so he went to France because a lot of uh, black musicians went to France to play music that they couldn't play in their own community because of urban renewal across the country. And he never came back home. You know, that's that's where the the, he, the addiction um, hit him and um, he never wow. came back home. So it's personal to me about how these policies uh, devastate our communities. Um and so that's a personal story, a personal effect on my, my own family of urban renewal. Wow. I'm so sorry to hear that. I didn't know that. And, and I think sometimes it's those personal stories that people need to hear and people need to uh, that, that carry us because this work that we're doing is, is very challenging. And uh, I often hear that from people like, why do you keep, keep going? And it's because, you know, I've experienced some of the pain of the people that I represent. And, and I know that if, if, if it isn't, if it isn't me, who will, who will go, who will, who will stand up. And so urban renewal um, is something that you're passionate about because you've seen urban displacement, right? You've seen the demise of uh, a, a people that were flourishing. And, you know, I haven't, I'm, I'm a novice at, you know, kind of understanding the uh, underlying, like, what was the rationale? What, what did, what did you, what do you understand to be the reason why that happened? I mean, honestly, it's, it's just, it's just racism. Um, it's institutional racism. Um, we all know that. I mean, we know slavery, we know Jim Crow. Um, we know these things. And, uh, when the World War II hit and, and, and black people came into the cities across the country to uh, work for the war industry, you know, uh, a lot of these communities that they moved into, 
uh, you had real estate interests that had other plans. And so they expected black folks to pick up and leave once the war ended. And so in San Francisco, we built thriving communities and all across the country. You know, you have this thriving communities that happen, but you have uh, the, the elite, the real estate forces that, that, that had other plans for these neighborhoods. And so the urban renewal was a powerful tool that they use to, uh, you know, you, uh, use eminent domain to seize, uh, you know, vast uh, areas of land in, in black communities in inner cities and, and literally take them over. And one thing that I think is uh, it should, uh, is worth mentioning is that we all know jazz and blues started in the black community. And we all wondered, like, how did it go from being black to being white, which is no problem because, um, but how did it go from being black to white so uh, extremely fast? And the reason why is because urban renewal hit bulldoze black business corridors across the country. And these businesses were were the blues, were, were, the, were the, the clubs, the black owned clubs, the black owned restaurants, the black owned cleaners, all the elements of the blues and jazz culture. They were that was black owned were literally bulldozed overnight across the mm. country. And then once that happened. That's when you had the, the the white businesses, record labels was able to swiftly uh, take over. And and that and that's what you see today. Yeah. Wow. 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 And so when those the, the, when that happened, was that when, um, you know, things like, uh, you know, Plaza West or OC, you know, when when some of the projects were actually um installed there in the Fillmore district. You know, I grew up, I was also in the Fillmore district in the, in the, in the Western edition and also Fillmore hanging out in Hayes Valley projects across the street, actually, technically speaking. Um, And, you know, and when I was there, it was nothing but, you know, housing, you know, projects that were there. And, um, and so I would imagine that that's what was installed there. Right. Absolutely. You hit it right on the head. When the, when the for, in Fillmore were 40 square blocks for bulldoze, they literally yeah. built these high rise housing projects and it was supposed to be temporary housing while they rebuilt the community for black people to come back. But instead they left the vacant, the land vacant for decades. And then when they finally started allowing for developers to come in, they, they, they chose outside developers um, and they, um, to, to start their businesses. So that's, that's how it was done. And this is something that happened across the country. Yes, yes, yes. So, okay. Well, we're going to, I want to talk a little bit more about this because I had an experience when I was um, visiting my mom who still lives in the Fillmore. Um, uh, I had an experience where she lives right on Oak and Webster. And um, when I was there, I want to talk a little bit about these experiences that, you know, that we have growing up in these settings and the ways that it impacts people. And the implications towards trafficking, towards homelessness, towards trauma, towards mental health, that um, kind of not just the, the deprivation of the buildings and the economics, but the insertion of uh, mental unwellness and emotional and spiritual unwellness as a result of all of these, these horrible uh, things that occurred. So let's come back. We'll come right back and we'll talk some more. And thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. 
We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Majid Crawford, who is the executive director of, of the New Community uh, New Community Leadership Foundation and also a steering committee member for the San Francisco Black-led organization. Uh, and we are looking into, we're talking about how San Francisco came to be a place where many, many, many uh, impoverished Black people um, uh, began, uh, you know, maybe a life of, of, of addiction or maybe a life of pain um, because of sort of this uprooting of, of what was a blossoming community um, and this insurgence of projects and poverty lifestyles and poverty uh, constructs, co- poverty systems that um, unfortunately um, have are still playing out today, still having their way today. And so what I wanted to tell you is um, I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in Hayes Valley, um, and just in the Fillmore District in, in general, I, I lived on Divisadero and Eddie uh, for all of my high school years. And then I lived in the Mission District in my, my younger years. And, um, and you know, so in my younger years, spent, spent some time there at LeConte. I, w- I went to LeConte Elementary and uh, across the street was Army Street Project. Now it's called Leonard R. Flynn. Uh, but there was just all kinds of crazy stuff going on there. You know, there was you would walk through. Uh, just so the listening audience gets a feel for it. You know, you go to the park, the park has a bunch of broken glass and bottles on it. You know, um, I don't remember needles as much then there is now, um, you know, when, when you go to certain parts of, uh, or not now because it's gentrified, but uh, there in the middle of before gentrification, there was a lot of needles and stuff, but then it was more like pipes, more like, you know, um, matches and cigarettes and broken bottles and urine and you know you're a little kid you're getting off of uh you know let's say third grade you're going to play with your friends in the park and that's what's there then you go up to your friend's house you go upstairs you know go up the steps and there's pee all through the step stairwells it just smells horrible there's people hanging around that are high that are drunk you're going inside of a house the hot water is scorching. You can't even use the hot water to clean your hands, you know, after you use the bathroom. I mean, 
these are the experiences there, you know, there's, there's, there's pet, there's, there's roaches, you know, the, people are living and just depressed. The walls are yellow and orange and, and off white and, and, and they're concrete. There's nothing inviting. And this is the way that people were living for years. You know, and it's the same thing I could say, I, you know, I don't know if you grew up in the projects, but I could say the same thing about go over to Hayes Valley, go over on Polk Street, go over on Turk Street, go on, go on all these different places and go and look in there and see how it feels. It's going to be the same way. Right. And and you just have this sense of feeling completely unsafe. Does that does that resonate with you, Majid? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and, and, and you're just looking over your shoulder, you look in and you look in. And then after a while, what you do, and this, is, this gets deep, you start denying that you're not safe. You start to say, you know what, I, I want to I live my life, so I'm going to ignore all of these things that, that make me feel unsafe. The fact that this person touched me the way I didn't want to be touched. The fact that this person talked to me the way I didn't feel like it was right to talk to me. I just start brushing it off and I started accepting that as, as normal treatment. And it starts doing something to me. Right. And so tell me about that experience. I'm telling you my experience as a, you know, as a woman of color was living in those and I didn't even live in the projects. I lived in apartments nearby, but what was your experience like coming up? Um, you know, it's it's in in this kind of environment. It is so much uh, so much personal things that happen to you um, over the years. You know that is normalized. That uh, that you really don't. There's no recourse to see uh, for protection. Um, and so it's 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 a, it's a lot. Um, it's a lot. You know, and 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 in the Fillmore. It's, it's like it's a place where they kind of don't care who is there and it, and it becomes a place where predators can really easily um, kind of, you know, do what they want to do. And, and, it, and it's not even necessarily uh, black uh, predators. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's any, any, any race of person, you know, and you can have these hotels, these little SROs that just pop up or these, these spaces and, and you, and you have, uh, predators and, and pedophiles and you know and 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 they come to the, come to our neighborhoods uh low-income neighborhoods black neighborhoods and they just feel they could do whatever you want and um as so i definitely uh, know stories um um even um you know impacting uh impacting uh my life and family members where you know things things happen um mm-hmm. And so it and it is it is normalized and and you know I mean one story I could share um, I remember um, I was in uh, probably elementary school probably fifth grade we're walking down the alleyway as a whole bunch of friends and some guy just walks up to us and one of the youngest one this is a guy just grown huge uh just i just remember he just looked buff and just and he forces the I mean, we're in middle school right he forces the the youngest guy among us to do the oral to one of another friend with us 
you know, just four, just, you know, we're just walking down the alleyway, just five elementary school kids walking mm-hmm. down the alleyway, probably had a basketball oh and mm-hmm. just did that, you know, and, 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 and honestly, you know, we all knew what happened. Uh, none of us ever talked about it. You know, we didn't go to nobody to talk about it. We didn't talk about it with, with parents. We just, you know, that just happened. And we just, just never talked about it again, you know? And um, so, you know, things like that, you know, it happens, you know, and I know that had, that's something that I seen happen right in front of my eyes. And, um, you know, and there's other stories like that. And, 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 you know, and, and it, it is, you know, the poverty, the, 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 the condition that, that was created for us to live in, um, you know, kind of breeds the, those type of tragic situations. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. My heart is just broken right now. I just, and I hate that, that you guys didn't feel like you could go anywhere. You know, you didn't have anyone to tell because there's so much shame, right? Especially as young men, like, and if we, maybe if we just act like it didn't happen, it won't have happened. But I be bet, I bet you one thing I know is about young men when they've been abused, they get a lot of anger, rage. And then when, what comes behind the rage is they start terrorizing other people. They end up in jail for gun violence. They end up in jail for, for murder. They end up in jail for, uh, you know, just rage being rageful. And or highly addicted because they're trying to s- kind of push down that abuse that they I, they keep trying to deny it. That didn't happen to me. That didn't happen to me. And what happens from that is you you'll you know, this is one of the reasons why I'm empathetic towards exploiters and towards, you know, buyers and towards survivors of trafficking. You know, the whole spectrum is because somewhere along the way, I believe that many of those people, I'm not going to say all because some are psychopaths and things like that, but I'm going to say many of the people that have gotten caught up in that way um, have um, been abused and it went unlooked, you know, went shoved away, went, went, got pushed away. And now here we are, an adult with all kinds of dysfunctional behaviors and no healing. So Okay, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about what you have kind of provided the platform for as it relates to raising awareness about human trafficking. So we're going to come back. And thank you so much for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com.
Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio with Majid Crawford, who is the executive director of the um, new Community Leadership Foundation. And he's also, again, steering committee member over at SF Block and um, participates in a lot of different coalitions, cohorts to try and bring um, some quality of life, some inspiration to members of our community. And um, I'm so grateful. I don't know how we got connected. Uh, did I don't know how that happened, but I'm so grateful um, because you have been an advocate for organizations, people in San Francisco to become, uh, raise their awareness about human trafficking. And um, I, th- I feel that it's something that heavily impacts our young people. And, um, you know, as you know, we just uh, conducted a study um, amongst the agencies, the SF Block agencies, and I'm not going to share the results just yet because we haven't shared it with them. We got to share it with them first. We'll come back, but we will publish the study um, for everyone to look at. And it just kind of will tell the story of um, of how prevalent trafficking is in this in the in San Francisco amongst black people, and black families. And one thing that stuck out stood out to me, there was about mm, uh, about 2000 families that were represented in the study. Um, across 20 some odd agencies. And um, when I looked at one of the correlations about, you know, the the families that are being impacted by human trafficking, they're all very low income. So the average household income was 25 to 35,000. Very low in San Francisco, right? Where we know that you're considered low income if you're in six figures, right? So Seriously, like family of four, you got to be at least 100,000 and above to be considered low and like come out of low income. And so 25 to 35,000 for a family. What do you think when you think about, you know, the needs? Like one, one of the things that I really appreciated, I saw, I, I got on a call that you invited me on and Cheryl Davis was on there and she was doing some classes on funds development for nonprofits and, you know, budgeting. And I was just like, this is amazing. This is great. We're like getting some education out here about how we do a better job of advocating for, you know, funding to come our way, right? So that we can help the people that we serve. Um, What do you, do you, is education at the center of this, Majid, or what is it? What do you, what is the poverty all about now? Honestly, the, the, the poverty right now is about um, the lack of money. Um, because I found that if, if you give uh, black people money, um, they're not even give black people money, you know, but if you, if you, if you kind of allow the community to, to kind of, you know, uh, pull themselves out of their bootstraps, um, pull their pennies together they con- continuously make it grow. And you've seen that um, out of, out of, you know, at the end, at the end of slavery ended, you've seen that during Jim Crow, 
you know, we've heard about Black Wall Street. We consistently see the Black community when left alone from, you know, government intervention, we start to grow, we start to pull our pennies and we start to build these incredible communities. And then, um, and then you have these, these bad policies and mistakes and this aggression. Um, and so I feel like right now it's the same thing. Like we've literally had through urban renewal, redlining and these freeway projects literally had our economic communities literally bulldoze overnight, our capacity, um, literally destroyed overnight, you know, right after the civil rights movement, we had all these horrible policies that just ripped our economics from us. And so that's what you're seeing now. You're seeing that um, while many uh, young men and young women uh, should have trust funds from, from the, the efforts of our communities in the fifties and sixties, our trust funds have been eliminated by, um, by um, these, these policies and our, our wealth in our community has been decimated. And so you not and so so that's really what I feel um that's happening now with Mayor London Breed and Director Davis is that they're trying to do two things. They're trying to put wealth in the hands of community in, in any way possible and the artists and entrepreneurs, but they also recognize that our capacity was destroyed via urban renewal, redlining, and all these uh, government policies that, that use eminent domain to uh, bulldoze our communities. So our capacity and our wealth was destroyed. And so that's what you're seeing now is a mayor um, is trying to build the capacity of Black-led organizations, Black-led um, efforts, as well as in certain wealth, uh, but also not just uh, just into the organizations. She's trying to get um, wealth uh, into the hands of everyday people. And so that's kind of like what you're seeing now. And that's kind of like what. And that's why the topic of reparations is so important, because. You know, our wealth was was taken through these policies and and, 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 and you've seen reparations take place in every community. Um, except for the black community and and um and it's always seems to be a problem when you talk about reparations and it comes to black people. It's always an issue. Of how should it be? Should it be education? Should it be? Well, no, it should be it should be a it should be a check, you know, just like other communities that have their wealth taken from them and it was replaced with with wealth. It's kind of the same thing that needs to happen in our community. And so you see uh, uh, President of the Board of Supervisors, Small Walden, established the um, Reparation Advisory Board. You see uh, Mayor, Lee, Mayor London Breed is uh, trying to uh, work with a committee to establish the, um, the uh, I guess, what do you call it, the, uh, a check, I guess, uh, income. So you see a lot of things that's happening right now that's trying to to bring the wealth that was taken back from many low-income communities, trying to bring that exact wealth back into the community. So question on that. So two things that come to mind there. Um you know, as gentrification has um, has uh, sort of grown in the city, um, investors have come in and bought, you know, black families out of their homes. Um, do you know where those families are going? Do you have any data on that? I don't have any data on that, but I've, I've wondered, you know, when uh, I did I did do some research to find out about, you know, like when they re, um, you know, they took down all the housing projects and then they, they brought in a different kind of project. Right. And, um, and they're nicer, they're much more inviting, you know, uh, complexes. And I wanted to see, did they invite back 
the black families that were living there before. And it was something like 60% came, you know, moved back into those buildings, but you know, not, not the full amount. So we've got like, like when I go to visit my mom, it's like night and day. Like I could not believe I had such an experience the other week when I was walking down the street and there were people that were all these different ethnicities walking around at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night and the flip flops and the cute little skirts and stuff like that. And I was like, this would have never been able to happen here. You know, uh, back in my day, you know, this this lady would have gotten robbed and, you know, it just wasn't safe. And um, and so it made me a little sad. I felt sad that I, I, I didn't feel like safe in my neighborhood um, because I was having flashbacks of my, of my, you know, my, my, my childhood. But, but the question I have for you is, are people with this gentrification, are people um, moving on to bigger, better places in other parts of the world? Are they getting a bunch of money from, uh, you know, from selling their houses and going off and buying a beautiful property elsewhere. Or what, you know, what, what do you think that, what do you think is happening there? That's one. And two, when there's reparations, um, what do you think the outlay, do people have strategies? Are people in communication about what, you know, how the money will, will be spent, how it will be invested? What, what are your thoughts on that? So I, w- I want to want to open that up. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about uh, your perspective on that. And thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio with Majid Crawford, who is the executive director of New Community Leadership Foundation in San Francisco, also a steering committee member for SF Block. We're having a discussion about um, just the, the landscape of, of, of property, of ownership, of poverty, and all of the implications to Black people historically there in the city of San Francisco. And so, um, Jade, what are your thoughts? Um, first of all, gentrification. Are people, are Black people who are selling their properties better off? Are they being pushed out? What, what's, what's, what do you think is happening there? 
the, the biggest, uh, well, a lot of the black people lost across the country, across the country, lost their property, not through a sale, but through image domain. So their property was. So basically what you find is that the property value, um, once once a neighborhood becomes a urban renewal or redevelopment site, the property value automatically drops because now on your deed, it says you're in a, a project redevelopment area and there's restrictions on your property. So immediately the property value fell, imminent domain hit, and now they seize your property and they're really just giving you kind of pennies on a dollar for your property. So when you invest so much into something and your whole community um, is seized and you're getting, the property owners are giving pennies on the dollar, then you're automatically a wealth. You just you just lost 80 percent of your wealth. And and then when you're forced to leave a community that you see, uh, you know, a lot of people saw the writing on the wall. Some people left. Some people stayed. Um, so that's one thing. So you automatically lost 70 percent of 80 percent of your wealth overnight. And mm-hmm. so you're you you you're not you didn't fare well in that transaction. So that's mm-hmm. that's a one big hit. Um, and then communities were left vacant. They were they were uh, redlined. You couldn't uh, you couldn't even get a loan to, to paint your house because of redlining. Um, at the same time, they were they were building up the suburbs. So they were they were practically, you know, the loans that we see today, you know, these 20, 30 years loans that all happened during urban rule no time. So this this is a phenomenon. This loan market we see that's normal today that was a phenomenon we've seen back then. So at the same time they were redlining and seizing black people's property, they were building up the suburbs and they were creating these these incredible loans to to give to our white uh, brothers and sisters to build their wealth. And mm-hmm. so now you see the the, the suburbs are are, are blossoming. Um, uh, practically giving land away to, to white, white folks, you know, coming out of the, the military, these, these incredible, you know, World War II, these incredible uh, uh, land opportunities for our soldiers and their family to get land practically free. And so, so you're literally seeing um, the government literally uh, building up the wealth of, of white residents while destroying black communities. The thing that's about that is very interesting is that during that time, uh, when the uh, black corridors were thriving, you saw a lot of white people come into these corridors. It was an organic spirit of black and white people and all races wanting to be united, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to be together. The biggest thing you could do as a white person to support black people is support their business. And that's what you saw. You saw droves of, of white people from across the country going into um, black um, corridors, going to the clubs, buying the music, eating the food. I mean, it was really an organic uh, wet, uh, uh, a process where you saw black and white people coming together and supporting each other in the most profound and significant way. And so urban renewal literally, on top of destroying the wealth of, of black people, it actually separated, it created a wall, a freeway, uh, space between this organic process of black and white people come together in the most significant way. Many white people were forced to leave these inner cities because it was terrifying and they had these loans and they had the, the possibility to do it. There's a lot of guilt and sadness about this on, on all sides, but it's just another casualty of, of redlining the urban renewal and these freeway projects that, that it destroyed this amazing organic process of 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 people trying to come together Um, yeah Mm. yeah well and i could i can say um 
that that certainly was my experience in my household. And there's uh, the people that the white uh, people who were aligning themselves with people of color in the community basically adopted the poverty and adopted all of the the same uh, well not the same but many of the challenges right that were existing in the community they they felt them you know just the same and and they had to give up their liberties in order to remain in community and I and I say that just because my mom was one of them and um you know many interracial families um had some of those experiences and um and so that, you know, many people have uh, some deeper empathy, let's just say deeper empathy for the the just how wrong it was. Now, I want to say um, for those who are listening, because you may not know what Majim means by redlining. So, you know, just a definition, right? Redlining is the systemic denial of various services, specifically financial services, banking, insurance services, healthcare, supermarkets that are being denied to people in certain communities. So when you allow, when you provide permits only for, for liquor stores, but you won't provide permits for full bone market supermarkets that, you know, where, where fresh produce is being sold, where you don't provide vehicles for renovating your home in certain areas, right? improving maybe your roof or new paint or new new windows that have provide better insulation you won't provide the loans for that in that particular community but you will in another community that's what redlining is and so um there you know what Bajid is is pointing at here is so significant because if you if I come to you and I didn't give you the loan and I didn't allow you to make any renovations on your home. I didn't allow you to prepare for a buyer to come to you 10 years down the line and say, I want to offer you X for your property because your property is all run down and just tore up. Right. And now I can give you pennies on the dollar and justify it. Why? Because you haven't kept up your property. Why haven't you kept up your property? Well, I couldn't get a loan to keep up my property. Why couldn't you keep up your why couldn't you get a loan to keep up your property? Because it's in a, you know, it's in an eminent domain district. It's in a, you know, in, in an area that has been deemed, um, you know, uh, devalued, um, systemically devalued. And, um, and so, you know, do your research, right? Do your research and look into this. So, so I hear what you're saying. So in, in gentrification, this whole process of people moving out, we shouldn't assume, right, that people are getting a fat check million dollars for their house and moving out to some other state and and they paying for their their house free and clear and living better we shouldn't assume that right Majid? No, not at all and one thing i think we all remember is the subprime crisis the, the subprime loan crisis that took place which was really uh you know you had uh black families in inner cities that that saw these loan that was sold these loan packages. I mean, it was almost like they 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 repraid on a community that that uh, somehow survived and still had some kind of wealth, and they sold them these loan packages that was flawed to the core, but just made it into something that was amazing. So then you had you had many black families moving from the inner city to the suburbs with these flawed loan packages. Um, you know, now they got to drive back to the city to work. So a lot of expenses are going up. And so and then these 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 uh, mortgages balloon, balloon 
Yeah. And, and but you're sold something about these in these suburbs. You're thinking that these suburbs are going to be like this, the, the same as when the whites were in the suburbs. You know, you had these corporations, factories. But no, these suburbs were actually being uh, stripped down. And and uh, and so now now um, so now you've been kind of sold a dream. And then before you know, your your home is upside down. So that was like another phase, uh, more modern day that just uh, uh, robbed so many families and all families of all colors, but particularly black families uh, that survived the, the, the inner cities, uh, thinking that they could move to a better life. Um, were again, ripped their, uh, more, and then they started losing their homes because short sale suburbs. and all that. Yeah. Oh. Mm, Horrible. Ooh, now you're trying to get me mad now again. <laughs> and, you know, one thing, and then and I'll just say, this is why I, I'm a praying woman. This is why I'm a praying woman, because some of these things, when you start digging into them, you wish you didn't know. You wish you didn't know what was under the covers of a lot of this stuff. And there's a lot of strategies that are underway. Now, I want to just say, you know, we, 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 we didn't get a chance to talk about reparations. There's, that's a very complex issue because some people say, well, you're getting welfare and you're getting Medi-Cal and you're getting all these. Are you going to get reparations? Are you going to get those? And so, you know, I, there's so much more we could talk about as it relates to that and how, how it should all work. And really, what is the most empowering, right? What is the, what is the, what is the fair uh, engagement here as we go forward? Um, but we don't have that much more time. Legit, I don't know what we're going to do. So we're going to have to take a break. Um, we'll be right back. We're going to talk about how you can stay in touch with Legit and also get involved in some of this discussion. So uh, thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. We'll be right back. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Majid Crawford, who is the executive director of New uh, Community Leadership Foundation and also steering committee member for SF Block. We've been talking about a whole bunch of different topics. Um, and um, man, it just it, there's not enough time to cover everything we wanted to discuss. But I did want to share, we're going to have him come back on. I want us, I want us to, Maybe we'll bring in a panel next time to talk about human trafficking specifically 
um, and some of our findings from this report that we just, um, this report that we're, we're pulling together, we're going to be publishing a, uh, a white paper on, you know, how we um, need to show up and, and, and support survivors of human trafficking and, and at-risk uh, Black youth um, in particular that are uh, really not always represented in some of the strategies that are underway in the city as it relates to human trafficking. Um, it's, it seems that many of the voice of the Black youth who are the most disproportionately trafficked um, is not, it's not making their, its way into some of many of the strategies and ready of the plans for the city. So we're trying to make a change, trying to get more visibility into those needs. So we'll come back and share that with you, Majid. Anything you want to share and how can people get in touch with you if they want to talk some more about this, this topic? Reparations and, and eminent domain and urban renewal. You know, you could, you could get somebody going. So how, how can they, how can they get in touch with you? No, we'd love for people to get in touch with us. Uh, we 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 uh, we like to work with artists, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Um, and our and our main focus is, is specific projects. And um, like one of the things we're actually we raised a million dollars to renovate the Fillmore Mini Park, uh, which is a dilapidated park right on right on Fillmore Street next to McDonald's. It actually floods when it rains, and so um, so we like to do projects of that nature with community. And so we would love anybody that, that wants to um, support us or have a project of their own. They'd like to, for us to get and support them. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you could definitely just look up, look us up on Google, New Community Leadership Foundation. Uh, and it directs you to our website. You could um, find our website at www.nclfinc.org. Um, and you can f- uh, contact us there or you can just call our um, call us um, at 415-857-1136. And we love that, you know, that's how we that's how we've been able to accomplish many of the uh, projects that seemed impossible is through volunteers, uh, people like you um, that just want to see a better community. Um, we, we don't we don't we're very. uh we don't. Ain't, we don't have a high overhead. We're a volunteer-based grassroots organization, and so we're able to accomplish a lot just off of you know people giving us a couple hours a week or a couple hours a month, whatever they could they could offer or any ideals that they have. We just work together as a, as a community and just just stay focused on specific projects. And so, yeah, we'd love to hear from from people that want to help out. Awesome, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Um, I just want to encourage everybody. Uh, Time is of the essence for you also to um, take a look at our brief uh, five ways to oppose SB 357. Um, As many of you know, this is a a bill that is on the assembly floor. Um, It's actually in appropriations right now, but um, it may be held in the suspense file, but we would love for you to take a look at it and follow the five steps to oppose. And that is loveneverfailsus.com forward slash SB 357. And there you'll find all the information you need to learn about the bill. Um, It is a decriminalization of prostitution uh, bill that will support decriminalization. And we obviously are opposed to the way that they're doing it. And so please uh, check it out. And also just want to invite you to stay abreast of all the things that we're doing. LoveNeverFailsUs.com. Love Never Fails fan page is our Facebook page. Uh, Twitter is Love Never Fails 5 and Instagram Love Never Fails Us. Um, And so 
uh, just want to invite you, please uh, stay stay engaged with us. And of course, if you haven't heard it before, if, or if you need to hear it again, we want to make sure that you know that you are loved. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and love and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at loveneverfailsus.com, by liking and sharing our Facebook page, Facebook slash Love Never Fails Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. This program is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in human trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to loveneverfailsus.com and click on the radio show link. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries, as well as supporters from Faith Fellowship, New Hope Christian Fellowship, and the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. On behalf of Vanessa and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thank you for listening, and thank you even more for committing to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.